right, praise the Lord, and we are going to get started. Um, we are in Gideon. We have been looking at Gideon's life in the book of Judges, chapter 6. That's where we've been the last couple weeks, and I don't know about you, but it's been good. There's been some really good things that we have been seeing as we've been going through this. Hopefully, um, you go back and you read the story yourself and you uh, the account yourself and begin to to really uh, the notes and things like that go over it. I would encourage you to do that. You know, you wonder, what should I read? Well, why don't you read Sunday's message? Why don't you go back and look at the passages of Scripture that we were referencing and go back and look at those passages of Scripture throughout the week and let God speak to your heart. Write down notes uh, of things that God has revealed to you in His Word. You know, this is a, one of the uh, basic things of Christianity, the Christian faith is that we need to worship the Lord with our minds, right? Our minds need to be on Him. We need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know how you engage your mind? Reading. Reading His Word. Reading, uh, educating yourself in God's Word. Educating yourself in studying the Word of God. God uh, wants you to use your intellect as well. And so it's not just, um, you know, just, you know, being a, I like sports or whatever. No, it's about uh, uh, bringing your mind to a level to where you begin to worship God with your mind, begin to look at his word. It's so important. Many Christians today are struggling because they don't put time to the word of God. So I want to encourage you to really do that so that you're able uh, to discern what is happening in your world and what is happening around you. Uh, so today, uh, I want to thank those of you watching and listening on, uh, on our YouTube or Facebook group or Facebook page uh, those who will listen later on our podcast, we want to wish you from Manifest Church a happy Thanksgiving with your family this week. We pray that you guys would know uh, how, how good God has been in your life and that you as a family would sit together at the table giving God thanks for who he is and what he's meant to you in your life. You know, I was watching something so many times we give thanks for the things that we have. Um, it's not terribly wrong, but we're to give thanks to the Lord. Uh, because I don't need the things that I have in order to be thankful to him. He saved me. He, he gave his only son so that I could be here today, so that I can have a future and a hope. And, um, and we have eternal life because of that, that precious gift that was given um, many years ago. And we're going to come into that time of December where we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we remember his birth, and we, we're so thankful for that. And... Um, Anyway, so I just want to tell you that we love you and we're, we're glad that you're here. And especially those who are here with us, we wish you a happy Thanksgiving as well. And uh, today we're going to uh, be looking at the account of Gideon again. As I said, we're, we're going to be looking at how his obedience to God led to some opposition from his own countrymen. And then when God fulfills the call of his life to, to go and begin and he starts to see how everything is beginning to take place and shape out. Uh, Gideon uh, proves God with a, uh, uh, with, with ask, with a fleece. He asks God to, 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 to show him something with, uh, concerning a sign with a fleece that he had. And we're going to look at that and see how awesome that is. You know, um, as I've stated the last couple of weeks, you need to understand that we're looking at Gideon's example to give us so that we can have hope today. Um, let me pray and we're going to jump right in. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to our hearts. Lord, as I'm excited to bring this message to those who are right here, Lord, I, 
I've been praying over this and asking you to speak to me and speak to their hearts. Lord, I believe that the Holy Spirit is present right now. If they are open and their hearts are receptive, Lord, you will speak to each person right here in this building. Lord, you're going to speak to those people who listen later on the podcast or who watch on YouTube or or Facebook. Lord, you're going to speak to their hearts if they come willing, if they humbly come accepting the word of truth. And Lord, I pray that you would. And I pray, God, that, that fruit will be born as a result of your word going forth as it is. Lord, I ask you to empower me with your Holy Spirit now. Lord, I recognize I am not competent within myself. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help me preach this word, Lord. So I ask you, come, Holy Spirit, and fill my mouth and fill my mind and my heart with your fire, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And so Paul is telling the church in Rome, he tells them something very important. Why did I say we're going to look at the account of Gideon? Why? Because he says something profound to the church of Rome. And I want to read this to you in Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. How many of you want hope today? I want hope. I, 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 there's so much that's going on in this world, so many things that we could, can get us down and so many things that can make us look like, man, we're just, this is terrible. We, we lose someone. We, we um, lose a loved one. We lose a friend. We, we, uh, we, we lose a relationship with someone. And uh, we go through some, a loss of a job. We go through all kinds of tragedies, all kinds of struggles. We, we, we seeing in our nation, we see the struggles because of wickedness in our land. We see uh, uh, the, the, just the upheaval and, the, and the, uh, the, the murders that are taking place in our country. And, and the things that we see, we see, and it can bring you into a place of despair. But we need to look to the scriptures because the Bible tells us very plainly, as I said, they were written for our instruction that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And we can have hope because we look at the accounts, we can see how God moved and God, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. God is going to do something if we ourselves are willing to be his instruments. And so, as I ask, how many of you want hope and that we can find hope in the scriptures today? We can see it. Um, our hope does not come from a political leader, but our hope comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not looking to a politician. You know do you know the people are looking for a, a, a politician to, to save them is, is, is the people of the end times? Because there is going to come one day this world leader that's going to come and that the people are wanting to save them from this world. And we know that that world leader is not the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're looking to the Antichrist. He's going to come and he's going to do many false miracles and all kinds of things to deceive people. And if possible, uh, he would... If he could, he'd kill everybody, but he's got to come and, and, and show himself differently. So we, we see that we don't need to be like the world looking for a leader to save us from the mess we're in. No, we need to look to the Lord. We need to look to God. When we see things taking place, the things transpiring in our nation, the things that are going on in our neighborhood, we need to understand that God is the one who can save us. God is the one who sent his son and that message today is still the only message, it's still the gospel that can take a, a, a heart full of murder, hatred, bitterness, and anger, can take it and, and, and infuse it with the love of God and transform the life. 
it's still the same message, still the same Holy Spirit that is being poured out to those who receive the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we have to understand, just like in Gideon's time, we have an enemy that is massive, well-organized, well-funded, and has infiltrated every institution of our society. You need to understand that our enemy is massive. This is not a few people. This is not a few. These are millions of people in our own country who are being influenced by the spirit of this age. And they are well organized. They are well funded. And they have infiltrated every institution of our society. That's why we can't trust our institutions anymore. People find it very hard to trust what is going on in our government, in our in our military, we, we, I see another article today where they're still trying to push out people who uh, do not want to take the, uh, the, the shot in the arm. They don't want to take it. Still pushing out military people who uh, uh, have religious uh, exemptions, still wanting to get them out. Uh, because this enemy of our soul has infiltrated the minds of people and he is working his will to destroy this country. Um, why? Because this country is in the way of one, a one-world government, a one-world system. We are in the way. America, not America. Unfortunately, my friends, America is is in the way. And you know what? We're in the way for a reason. We're in the way so that people come to know Christ before it's too late. Because there's going to come a day when we're out of the way. And what God said will happen is going to happen in this world. There is going to be a one-world system set up. There is going to be one-world leader who is the Antichrist. And it is going to usher in the end and God's, uh, God's uh, tribulation on this earth as no man has ever seen before. And God is going to do it. Uh, you know, yet God is calling you and me to be mighty men and women of valor as he called Gideon many years ago. He's, you might look at yourself, what about, what, what about me? I'm not that bright. I'm not that... I'm nobody. That's right. Gideon was a nobody either. But you know what made Gideon somebody? The Lord. And if you would trust the Lord, if you would put your hope in him, God will give you the victory over your enemy. If you submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee. But you got to submit to God. We, like Gideon, are weak. We have very little funding and are least of our countrymen. But God will be with us, just as he was with Gideon. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need to come before God in repentance. Tear down the idols we have built like Gideon did in his time. This must happen from the pulpit to the pew. From right up here to down there, it must happen. From the pulpit to the pews, there must, the people must repent. When we as his people do this, God will hear our cry for help, forgive our sin, and he will heal our land. I want to read to you 2 Chronicles 7, 13 through 14. You know, uh, because it's familiar to many of us, and, and, and sometimes as pastors we forget that we are also in a time that people are, 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 even though we have multiple ways to get the Bible. Matter of fact, some of you right now sitting in here can pull up your phone and you have a Bible app. You can pull up the scriptures that way. The problem is, though we have all the access to the Bible, we still have uh, illiterate people in the Bible. People that do not understand the Bible, have never read the Bible, have never read it from cover to cover, have never read the accounts in the Bible. And, and, and they're sitting in this church and they're sitting in churches across this country. And they don't understand what the Bible teaches because they have no 
uh, they have become spiritually illiterate. They have not put the time to read the Bible. So I want to remind you of a verse right before one of the famous verses we love to quote concerning if my people who are called by my name. I want to read you the first uh, the verse right before it and to the end of it. And I want you to understand something about the times we're living in. He says here in Second Chronicles 7, 13 through 14, it says, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You notice when God, when God shuts up the heavens, that means there's no rain. And if there's no rain, we don't get no crops. If we don't have no crops, we don't got no vegetation. If we get no vegetations, we have no, the, the animals can't eat and we can't eat and there is famine in the land. What do you think is going to happen in America? The famine is coming and pre, there have been multiple pastors telling you from reading articles upon articles that there is famine coming to this country there are things being closed, being shut down right now in our country. We yet haven't experienced it yet like, uh, like the world, but it's coming. The shortages that we see. If you're walking around this world, you're seeing, uh, you could go to the store and when, when there used to be a plenty of certain things, they're not there anymore. And you have to maybe come once a week to try to find it. And if you do, you got to try to buy two or three because it won't be there if you don't. This is what we're seeing. Just like God said, when I shut up the heavens, when I shut up the heavens and there is no rain, or when I command the locusts to devour the land. See, when, when the things are happening in this world, God is getting our attention. And what happens is we don't want to pay attention. We want to say, well, uh, it's, it's, it's because of an administration. Yes, partially. But God has allowed this administration in, into office and allowed the wicked people into office in order to bring his people to a place where we come to God and, and repentance and we come to God humbling ourselves, returning away from our sin and calling out for help. See, we can't expect the world to do this, but we as God's people need to be doing this. We are God's people. See, God said, when I do this, if my people see when I when I do that, when I, the pestilence come upon the earth, I mean, what have we we've had people through COVID and all kinds of things have happened, uh, all kinds of diseases, all kinds of things are stri- striking this the people, and yet people do not recognize God is speaking, and the church is asleep. We need to wake up. We need to wake up, saints. God loves you. And his, in his love, he disciplines the ones he loves. We talked about this last week. If you're, if you're not his, you're illegitimate. The first point I want to make today, I want you to look at in, in verses 20. Let's read here in Gideon's account. It says, when the men of the town rose early, because you remember last week, Gideon, um, he, he began to obey God. God told him to dare down the idols. Make sure I think I went over that last week. Let me, let me just start here in verse 25. Or 24 says, Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the, the Lord is peace. To this day it still stands in Ophrah, 
which belongs to the Abyssalites. That night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and, a, and the second bull seven years old and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it to, as a burnt offering with the, word, uh, with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had, had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. When the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down and the Asherah beside it was cut down and the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. And the men of the town said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die, for he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, will you contend for Baal or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is God, let him contend for himself, because his altar has been broken down. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Jerubbabal, that is the, to say, let Baal contend against him, because he broke down his altar. Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east together uh, had came together, and they crossed the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Now, um, this first point I want to make is that obedience to God will come with, an op with opposition. You notice here, when Gideon obeyed God in those uh, few verses above, he, he was told to go and, and break down ba Baal's altar and, with, and, and cut down the Asherah pole. He was to cut down. These were idols. These were uh, the idols that they were worshiping from the nations around them that God had driven out, and they began to worship these false gods and false idols. And God says, I want you to cut them down. I want you to build me an altar and you're going to sacrifice for the sins of the people. Right. He, he, they had to offer up a bull because, see, you got to understand God has to clean house. God can't allow sin in the camp. And God, no, God prescribed a way through that. And that's through obedience. And, and it was to to repent, to begin to turn away from the, the idols and the things that uh, they were worshiping. God wanted them to tear them down. And in your life, God wants you to tear down the idols in your life. God wants you to take the things that you worship more than him, that you love more than him, the things that you set your gaze upon. God wants you to take that thing down and destroy it. And he wants you to begin to worship him. He wants you to obey his word. You see, when you begin to obey God, it will be met with opposition. You, get, you got to understand that Paul tells us uh, through when he writes the letter to Timothy, he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. You see, when you want to live for God, when you want to live a life that pleases him, just understand you're going to be met with opposition. Opposition is good for you. Opposition creates growth. 
Opposition creates a, 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 a desire for you to seek God. You see, I learned a long time ago from a, a, a preacher, Ray Comfort, he would talk about a, a Christian, a young Christian, when, they, um, when the seed goes, he was, he was sharing about a testimony that he wrote about a, a, his, a, you know, a false convert. But he talked about the, the pair of the sower, and he used an example. When you plant a, a tree, you don't put it in the dark. Because if you put a tree in the dark, it won't grow. The tree needs rain and it needs sunlight. And a Christian, if you are a born-again believer, you need to be out in the world where you get rain and you get sunlight. What is rain? The rain of, of, of the trials of this life, the, the heat of persecution that will come for the word's sake. What these things ought to do is cause you to blossom and grow in those situations. The problem is if you're not his, when that testing comes, you're going to fall away because that will prove that you're not his. Do you understand that the testings come to prove whether you're genuine or not? Whether you know God or not? See, if you don't have any, any pressure, if you're not being hated because you follow Jesus, something might be wrong. Now, uh, we do live in a little bit different uh, time and a little different society, uh, but, but more and more increasingly, it is, it is becoming more hostile to believers in this country, more and more. More and more hostile. Our government has become hostile to Christians. People have become more hostile because we stand opposed to the darkness. We st- I mean, the Christians that do. I- I'm not saying those who claim to be Christians, but do not oppose darkness at all. They live for the darkness. They, they have no problem sharing the world with the darkness. They have no problem saying anything about the darkness. They just let it be. No, God wants you and me to shine as stars in the midst of a, a wicked and perverse generation. And how do we stand? We stand by living righteously, by living a life that pleases God, that, that we're not in the same thing that the world is doing, that we're living differently. You see, opposition comes. And some of that opposition will come from the people in your own family or household. Did you know that? That sometimes when you want to serve the Lord, when you give your life over to Christ, when you begin to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you're going to receive opposition from your loved ones. From the people closest to you, they're going, to, they're going to oppose your faith. Pastor, what do you mean? No, no way. Oh, yes, trust me. There are, mil- there are millions of believers who have stories where when they, be- when they converted to Christianity, they were disowned by their parents. There are parents today around the world that have been uh, tortured by their own children, that have been turned into the authorities by their own children Uh, This is happening in the world today. This is not just, oh, only here or there. No, this is happening. God uh, has has shown us this and we see it. We have accounts of this when we look at things that are going on. I want to read to you in Matthew chapter 10 what I mean. So if you got a Bible, turn there to Matthew chapter 10. And I want you to look at verses 34 through 39 with me. This is Jesus speaking. And he says in verse 34, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. 
For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And the person's enemy will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Wow, what a, what a contrast, uh, you know, to the, the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> and I like what David Guzik writes. I, I want to read to you from a commentator. It says, the message of Jesus, as reflected in the Sermon on the Mount, is indeed a message of peace, yet since it calls the individual to a radical commitment to Jesus himself, it is a message of peace that it divides between those who choose it and those who reject it. You see, the divide that's coming within your household is going to be with those who receive Christ and those who reject Christ. That is the division. There is the dividing wall. And we might think, well, wait a minute, Pastor, what do you mean? Oh, what do you mean? We see it today. We see our children turning and rejecting Christ and following the things of this world. We see today fathers rejecting Christ and turning on their children. We see all kinds of evil taking place within a home because Jesus is saying, what I'm calling to you is radical obedience to me. It's, 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 it's your loyalty must be number one with me and no one else. You must be loyal to Christ and no one else. Oh, oh, do we, not every situation is that way. Not every, I didn't say every situation is going to be like that. Not every family will experience that, but there are many that are because Jesus said he did not come to bring peace, but a sword and a sword between those who receive him and those who reject him. You see, God's message is inclusive. It's inclusive. It says, whosoever will, come, come. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But it's inclusive that you must only come through Jesus Christ. You cannot be saved any other way. You cannot get it through your good works. You cannot get it through giving your money away. You cannot get it through any other means, only through Jesus Christ. The Bible says there is no other name given among men uh, from heaven, among men that, that ought to be saved, only the name of Jesus Christ. You cannot find salvation in any other religion. You can only find salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, he's saying here, you, you understand the divide that comes when our children... Do, do, you know, you ever wonder, you say, why does my kid, what happened to my child? Why is my child not believing? Why is my child living a certain way? Do you understand that in the, uh, in the devil's youth ministry, in the public schools, they've been taught to keep, that there's where they're safe from their parents. They've been taught that the, all they need to know is what they're being taught in school and not what their parents say. Do you understand that uh, you wonder why kids are being separated from their parents because this is a plan of the devil. This is a plan of Satan to remove kids from the authority of their parents and, and they become the, the children of the state. This is a plan. Your children, and one day if you have them, you're going to have to understand that that is their goal. 
And now they have a new name for their wicked plan. It's called social-emotional learning. Social-emotional learning. So you see, they want our kids as far away from their parents. You know, you ever wonder why they want your child to stay on campus for a year? In college, I'm not convinced it's because they want them to. I think that's the way to get the, that's the way for you to take the carrot. That's, for, that's the way for you to take the bait. Oh, they want them to, to get to know the campus and not be late to classes. They don't care about that. They're making hand over fist money. Whether your child goes to school or not, they're making money. Because they got paid. They, that, that professor gives a rip, one rip about you going to class. They already got paid. No, the goal for you to be there is to be away from your parents so that they can begin to indoctrinate you into hating everything your parents stood for and taught you concerning your faith, concerning uh, this country, concerning anything that has to do opposite of what they're trying to teach you. Because they say your parents don't know, we're progressives, we know more. They're, they're holding everything back. No. We need to be careful. We need to understand that Jesus came to bring a sword. And look what happens. Sometimes it happens. Our kids go and they turn on us and they start becoming hellions. And we wonder what happened is because they went to the schools that are, 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 pu- are pumping this out. They're, they're brainwashing our children. Man, I understand. I, I have kids in public school and I get it. I'm fighting for their soul every day. I'm praying for my kids. I'm praying for their minds. I'm, I'm trying to have discussions with them. I'm trying to talk to them about the things, the issues of this world from God's perspective. They can never say I never did. I always have. My wife and I have always spoken to them God's word concerning life. And I've always reminded them there's no professor, there's no philosophy in this world that's smarter than God. Nothing. No one is wiser than God. You got to understand Your obedience to Christ is going to bring opposition, and it's good for you. Opposition is good. Opposition is good. And as a result, God uh, honors him and begins to begin the process of clothing Gideon with power. Look at, go back to uh, Judges, excuse me. And now let's look at verse 34. It says, but the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. And he sounded the trumpet, and the Abizarites were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Nephtali, and they went up to meet him there. Then Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone and it is dry on all, on all the ground, then I shall know that you have, will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, the, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test Just once more with the fleece, please let it be dry on the fleece only and on all the ground. Let it be. Let there be dew. And God did so that night and it was dry on the fleece only 
and all the ground and all and on all the ground there was dew. <laughs> God uh, helping Gideon because Gideon. Uh, uh, the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. He sounded the trumpet, and all the men from all from the peep from his people began to rally. You remember, these men wanted to kill him at one point, but then because he honored God, he did what God told him to do. And at the moment that you might have some opposition, let me tell you right now, we might be getting some opposition from our loved ones, from our friends, from somebody that we were close to because we have decided to follow Jesus. And let me tell you something. There may come a time when you begin to to, to live a life that pleases God that they will come back to you because they see Christ in your life. And they'll receive the word at that point. Gideon, he's 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 preparing for battle. I mean, we just see it says that the uh, uh, excuse me in verse 33. Now, all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Uh, they camped there in this valley and they were they were ready to fight and to, and to just take take care of business against Israel. And now Gideon is clothed with the power of God and he begins to call and people begin to follow Gideon. You see, sounding the trumpet in most cases meant uh, 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 getting ready for battle, getting ready for war. It's a battle cry when they blow the the uh, the, the the trumpet. And they begin to call the people and the, and the men of God and the men come together and they're ready to fight. They assemble. Right. You know, I'll give you a pop culture, uh, you know, uh, a, <laughs> to assemble. Right. They come together to fight. They come together to fight like the Avengers. Right. Avengers assemble. They come together to fight against their enemy. You see trumpets. Uh, were, were used. And in Judges chapter 3, verses 27 30, Ehud sounded the trumpet to call the people of Israel to battle against the Moabites. And God gave them victory over the Moabites. In Joshua 6, 1 through 6, Joshua had the priests blow the trumpets after the seventh time around the wall of Jericho. And the walls came down and they defeated the people of Jericho. I wonder, does the church in America hear the sounding of the trumpet? For our time, are we hearing the sound of the trumpet, the call of God, the battle cry? Are we hearing it? Are we still asleep? Oh, today, would you wake up from your slumber? The Bible says that the field is wide unto the harvest. I pray that we would rise up and we would wake up. We would hear the trumpet call. I believe that Jesus is coming soon, but while we wait, We must fight the good fight of faith. We must fight the good fight of faith. We must be active. We must be people who are activated. We must be people who are surrendered to God. And we must do what he says. Because there are still people, there's still time to win people to Christ. There's still people who need to know the Lord. And you, my friend, my sister, you are the one, my brother, my sister, you are the one that God wants to use us to bring that message to them. It's not me. You, he wants to use you. He wants you to go proclaim and equip. He wants you to go out in this world and proclaim his message. He wants you to get up out of your seat today. He wants you to, to, to rise up every day ready and uh, ready to bring God's message to someone. He wants you to hear the battle cry. There's a battle cry taking place in our culture. There's a battle cry in the church 
We are, we are, we hold, we are the pillar of truth. If the church in America does not rise up and fight the good fight of faith, we will be doomed as a nation completely, quickly. We must be God's people. We must be the people who rise up to the call of God and begin to say, Lord, Lord, we repent of our sin. We repent of our sin as a people. We repent from our ways. We turn away from our idols and we put our faith towards you. We put our trust in you. God, hear us. Heal our neighborhoods. Heal our families. Lord, our families are broken. Our families are broken. We have mothers are having children out of wedlock, fathers who are abandoning their children to the government. God, we need you in our land today. We need you. And we need to come. And, and this is not just in the world where people in the church are doing this. People who name the name of Christ are living like this. We need to repent. We need to come to God. We need to understand that God is calling us to a battle because when we repent, God begins to, when, when we come to that place, God begins to call us to sound that trumpet and begin to be a light in this dark world. Do you know that one day uh, there's going to be a trumpet sound and that trumpet sound is for us to be caught up with the Lord. We're going to be taken out of here. And then all, all H-E double hockey stick is going to break loose in this world. It's going to break loose when the church is called up to, be, to meet Jesus in the clouds. I want to read that to you in 1 Corinthians. I want you to know that we have a hope that uh, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through in this world, you need to understand one day Jesus is coming for us and one day he's going to call us home. Some of our loved ones who are Christians already beat us there that have passed away. They're with him. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. His, their spirit is there awaiting the resurrection. I want to read to you 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let me get there myself. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 16 through 17. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Isn't that awesome that one day God's going to call that trumpet to sound and that battle cry, we're going to go up to be with him because one day, in that, and for, for one day is like a thousand years to the Lord, right? It says a day is like a thousand and a thousand is like a day to the Lord. Do you know that trumpet of God is us, God calling us up to him because we're going to come down with him to rule and reign. We're going to come in his second coming. We're going to take care of business with our king. Who, he's not coming as a humble servant anymore. He's coming as king of kings and lord of lords. And he is going to take care of the wicked in this land and all over this world. And he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. He's going to rule and reign there. What an awesome uh, hope we have. Lastly, Gideon proves the Lord's call with a fleece. So Gideon, now we see he's like, okay, Lord, uh, God, he's seeing this mass army and how all the people of Israel responded to a cry. I don't believe Gideon could believe it was actually happening. Gideon must have been like, wait a minute. Well, I, I, I must be in a dream. This can't be. I mean, 
I'm paraphrasing again, please. I'm just, I'm thinking how I may have responded. That, okay, I, you know, there, God sometimes speaks to your heart some things or you're impressed by the Spirit of God to do something and you see that it's way beyond your, your abilities, right? That's a clear indication, usually, that it's God, okay? When it's beyond you. And, and so Gideon is looking at this vast army and now he sees, oh my goodness, I, God I sounded the trumpet and all the men of Israel are here. And he could be thinking, whoa, this is really happening. I need to get with God right away. I need, to, I need to get with God. I need to get God's help. I need to make sure that this is right because I could be held responsible for the death of all these people. This massive army we're coming against. And can you imagine? See, sometimes you could be judging Gideon and all. Oh, what a fearful person. How about you look at that army that was in front of him? I guarantee you'd probably be a coward and run, tuck your tail and run. But Gideon sought the Lord. Gideon inquires the Lord for a sign. He was proving the Lord's call in his life. He was making sure, God, was this you or was this me? Was, was I hearing something? Did, did I, was I in some kind of trance when the angel of the Lord came before me? I mean, I'm just paraphrasing again. This is just me thinking, could he be going through this stuff in his heart? And, and he says, God, would you just one, one thing I ask you, would you do this for me? And he, and he uses a fleece. God knew Gideon's heart, and God knows your heart. He knows my heart. So he did what Gideon asked him. Gideon did not, uh, did not, uh, God did not do to Gideon what he did to Zechariah. Remember Zechariah? This is John the Baptist's dad. When the angel uh, stood before him and told him he was going to have a son through his wife who was barren. And he, he, he made a comment to the angel, but he did it in unbelief and God made him mute until John was born. Because God knows our heart. God knows if we're, we're, we're operating under a spirit of unbelief or we really want to know if this is what he wants us to do. That we're making sure we're not doing something in our own mind, in our own will. So he allowed Gideon the gesture. He gave it to him. And, the, and today, will you be humble enough and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I, I, I need you. And I promise you, when you come to God and you say, Lord, I need you, I need you, to, I need to know this is what you want me to do. I need to, I need to know, Lord, because I, I, it, it, it's, it's looking pretty, pretty, pretty scary out here, Lord. And I want to make sure that I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm not listening to myself. And when you come to God in that way, he won't reject you. I believe that we can see it through Scripture that God did not reject Gideon. God did not, his anger didn't burn against him and crush him. No, he, he in love and mercy, knowing Gideon's frailty, he gave him that gesture by showing him the sign, the fleece, first of all, being wet when everything else was dry, and then secondly, the fleece, the fleece being dry when everything else around it was wet from the dew. God is so good. The Lord has called each one of us for such a time as this. You know why you were born? Because God wanted you born in this time. There's something that he has called each one of us to do. And if we humble ourselves, if we submit ourselves to him, he'll be with us. 
and he'll give us the strength and he'll give us the grace. He'll empower us with his spirit to do what God has called us to do. You ever wonder, man, why am I here, Lord? Why am I going through this time, this period I'm in? Because he's called you for such a time as this. That's each one of you right here. Let's pray. Father, we come humbling ourselves before you, recognizing, Lord, that without you we can do nothing. Lord, I recognize, Lord, without you this, this ministry will be nothing. Lord, unless you, unless you go before us, we won't move. Lord, you're the one that, that causes things to live. You're the one that brings about life where there's death, light where there's darkness. And Lord, we look to you. We look to you for wisdom. We look to you for direction. We look to you for guidance, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray today for those who are listening uh, here, those who will listen later or watch later. Maybe they're right at that place right now, Lord, where they heard your voice. And I pray today that they would not be wicked and reject you again. Lord, you said when we hear your voice, do not harden your heart as they did in the rebellion. Oh, Father, I pray today that my brother and my sister today will repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That they would, they would surrender their hearts to you, God, that if they've been walking in unrighteousness, that today they would recognize and repent that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, that they would burn every idol that has kept them from, that they have given themselves to, that they will burn it and they will worship the true and living God. Lord, I thank you that it is your love, it is your mercy, that it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. Thank you, Father, that you're doing that right now. I believe that you are doing something right now in every heart. I don't have to see it with my eyes, Lord. I believe it by faith. I know, Lord, that your word will not return void. And so, Father, I pray you'll have your way. I pray that that person who doesn't know you may come across this video, may come across this message that they would right there where they are, whether they're in a room, whether they're in a park, wherever they may be in the gym, may they stop right there and call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says if we confess the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. If God has pricked your heart today and God has revealed that you have sinned against him, oh, he loves you, and that's why he's done it. And I pray today you'll repent, you'll turn away from it and put your faith and call on the Lord Jesus to save you. And the Bible says he will. And the Bible tells us that he will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he calls you to fellowship with his people. To be connected to a local church. to be So that you can be a part of his body assembled into the household of God. See, a Christian without a church is an oxymoron. God's called us to the household of faith. And children need to be together with their father. Oh, God, we pray you have your way. Thank you for what you're doing. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving with your loved ones and family. God bless you. We'll see you next time.